Welcome to Safety Chats. Host Jason Stark, Director of Safety at Baldwin Safety and Compliance, shares decades of aviation experience and a passion for safety. Let's get started with this week's Safety Chat. Well, let's start with a little bit of flashback to the past. Long time ago, which now seems like eons, I served in the Air Force. And my first four years in service to the Air Force, I was an F-16 weapons technician. And over in Northern Japan, in a foreign country, we used to have this old tech sergeant, tech sergeant Stewart, Stu, we call them. And everything that you can imagine of an old, grumpy, gruff sergeant from the movies was probably true about Stu and really thick South Boston accent. But it was funny every day, our pre-shift brief, he would, he'd get us together and I'm not going to do the accent, but he'd be like, it's one thing you need to remember before you get out there and do your job. Remember this. And this is the PG version that one, all crap takes care of a thousand attaboys. And that was his pep talk. And it was this idea that you could do perfect in every single one of your jobs. And in the environment we worked out on the flight line, foreign country, F-16s, live munitions, a lot of times live fire control radar, there was a lot of uncertainty. So a lot of unexpected things that could happen. And we usually working 12 hours was the norm. Sometimes 18 hours, we'd be tired. And then there was Stu who was saying that if we had one slip, lapse or error, that would completely wipe out the 99% of the time that we were doing a good job. And so that kind of prefaces what I want to talk to you about today. And hey, welcome to the Baldwin Safety Chat podcast. Um, as you can gather, we talk about anything related to safety, safety management, organizational excellence. We just like to cover a lot of topics that can possibly help us to be more effective in our jobs. Not saying that we're not, of course, uh, I know you guys are rocking it and knocking everything out of the park. But just things that maybe have you scratch your head or research a little further or challenge your thoughts on something. And this topic is none different, actually. And the, the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of attention bias. And this has been well-researched and it's actually really fascinating. And, and I want you in your mind's eye to picture this, but in the attention bias, people tend to pay more attention to unusual, unexpected, or negative actions compared to expected one, right? You'll notice maybe if you work with somebody for a long time and you get to know their behaviors and nothing stands out, and then all of a sudden they do something different one day, well, you're going to focus on that. You're be like, why'd you do that? That was so not you. And we probably all said that saying before, and that's because of our attention bias, that, that, that we as humans, we are biased towards the unusually unexpected or negative actions. And that I think is what underpins Sergeant Stewart's speech saying that, you know what, for 99% of the time, you guys are rocking it. You know, we're getting planes, they're making sorties, their weapon systems are working, they're releasing bombs, but you mess up once. I'm going to focus on that. And your butt is going to be handed to you on a platter. Again, the PG version of that. This bias that we have can be very detrimental and contra to what we want to accomplish in safety management. And I'm sure you're thinking in many ways because we're always focusing on the negative. And there, there's two sides to this though. So one, we're focusing on the negatives, which leads to what's called the fundamental attribution error. And I'll get to that in a second. And then the other side of it too, is that we set up our system in safety management to look for 
those negative signals. So those failures in the system, those degradations of the system. And not saying that that's wrong, but when we do that, and this goes into the idea of safety too, or so-called safety too, is that we're missing, or we're not focusing on a wealth of data because it's not unexpected, it's not negative, or it's not surprising or unusual. So sometimes I wonder that if we could maybe start looking at some of these things that are not necessarily unusual, unexpected, or negative, we still may be able to learn a lot about our system to prevent those unusual, unexpected, or negative actions. So that's one of the concerns I have is when we have the attention bias that we're, we're missing a wealth of information that that's related to safety too. The other side of it too, though, is focusing on the negative actions, which is very problematic, leads to the fundamental attribution error. And we are all guilty of this. And myself, especially with my kids, probably heard a rant of podcasts where my oldest had an excursion. I'm still stewing about that. And that's that fundamental attribution error. So what it is that I'm attributing causes or that we attribute causes of some negative outcome to a person's behavior or basically to them. We're ascribing blame to them. Ivan Puppoletti did a fantastic job in his TED talk, and I encourage you to look that up, but he did a fantastic job of talking about how when something negative happens, one, we're focusing our attention on it because of unusual, unexpected, or negative, and two, we are saying that it is you that made that error. It is you that are to blame for that incident, that event, that accident. And we do that way too much. And still in 2024, we are still doing this. And I think one of the most fascinating things, and it's somewhat contemporary, I think it was 2008 with the Texas City refinery explosion, that even BP, parent company of this, ascribed blame to the individuals, specifically the technicians, the controllers, for that tragic and fatal accident. And it even carried forward into the news. The news said, due to these controllers, we're, we're saying that we're going to blame these individuals for this error, which goes into fundamental attribution error in itself. Again, it's the tendency to assign individual blame, normally to individuals, for causes of their behavior for a cause of a certain action. And the problem with that is kind of like missing the data on the good things that are happening. When we narrow in on the individual and ascribe the cause to their behavior or their action, then we're missing problems in the system. I know this is a, an old horse that keeps getting beat or a dead horse, I guess, is the way the saying goes. But it's something that we really need to pay attention to because we hear the words. We said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know just culture. We're, we're not going to blame them. We're going to look at the entire system. We're going to look at all the things going around. But yeah, we still do it. We still do it. Even under these so-called just culture programs, we still do it. We have a tendency to ascribe blame. And we even see it in some of the ASAP programs. An individual will submit an ASAP report or an aviation safety action report fully disclosing a slip lapse or mistake, not an intentional deviation. And they get the great, thank you for supporting the efforts to make the system safe. Yes, we see what you did. And we're going to send you to retraining on how to hold again or how to do a stabilized approach and not realizing that maybe it had nothing to do with that person's skill or lack thereof. 
We didn't look at the entire system. Now, I'm not saying that sending them to training, training is always good. But when you send somebody as a result of an ASAP report or any report to remedial training, kind of sounds like punishment, doesn't it? In a way, I'm like, you need to be retrained on basic flying skills. And again, please don't take that the wrong way. I'm not saying that training is a bad thing, but is that the only answer? Especially because what we're doing is we're going back to that person's behavior and maybe not necessarily looking at the behavior of the system. If we were to expand, let's say it was an unstabilized approach. If we were to expand and maybe saying, well, this airport, the controllers are really jacked and they like to slam dunk you. I don't know. And maybe it had nothing to do with that. And maybe, yes, they should have gone around, but there's other things in the system. Maybe there's a high pressure passenger that the organization itself, the leader in the organization doesn't want to deal with and leaves it to the front line to deal with, which is always very awkward. There's so many things that could be going on that we may miss when we focus in on a person's behavior. And that's the fundamental attribution error. So I want to cover those two things. So the attention bias, obviously, we're paying more attention to the lousy stuff in our system, right? And the fundamental attribution error that when an error action happens, we tend to attribute the cause of that error action to that person or the behavior or action. I want to bring those two up. Just talk really briefly, and I don't want to get into the whole safety two approach, but I do want to talk about maybe a takeaway from this. But the safety two approaches, as many of you might have read, is this idea that they use this idea of a bell curve and they talk about that in safety, because member going back to that idea of the attention bias in safety, we tend to focus on what they call the tails or probably something greater than two or three standard deviations from what normal everyday events would be. And I'm assuming that the graph has, at least the graphs I've seen have never been labeled. So I don't know what that is a bell curve of. But I think it's just a visual saying that we focus on the tails, meaning we focus on the more rare, the unexpected, which again goes to that attention bias. And the argument goes further that, okay, well, if we're just focusing on the tails, which I think if you look at it, maybe you're focusing on, what would that be? Maybe 5% or 10% of the total data. You're missing that other 90% of actions that are done every day that could be a wealth analogy. Because we don't pay attention to it. It's like, oh, that's routine. They handled it. They came back safe. There were, oh, there was no deviations. There was no regulatory violations. Oh, okay. Everything's normal status quo. We don't need to really focus on it. And that's what the argument is saying that, you know what? There probably could be a lot of wealth in that. But I guess the question would be, well, then, okay, Jason, you're telling me that we focus, we measure those. We, we focus on the adverse outcomes or the unintentional, the, the not wanted outcomes, I guess we could say. And we don't focus on the positive outcomes. So how do we do that? And, and that, that's a great question. And how do you do that with reporting? And I, I do have a few thoughts on that. These actions that are good reporting could be one way to do it. And it could be stating that, okay, well, today I encountered this and we adapted and had a successful outcome. Now you might think that's kind of strange. Well, why is he submitting a report? When there was no deviation, there could have been a deviation, but the pilot handled it well. He adapted, he or she was creative. Why would they submit a report? Well, you're right, because we don't encourage that right now, but could we encourage that? And then, yeah, absolutely. They come back and say, pilots love to be heroes. I used to say as a pilot myself, I used to put myself in predicaments where I could make myself look like a hero. Pilots and mechanics, line service individuals, they have to adapt all the time because our environments that we work in are uncertain. It is argued they are complex and they are. 
they are complex. And by saying it's complex, that means that there is a lot of moving parts going on with un unintended or unexpected outcomes. And we can have a lot of unexpected inputs. What might seem like a normal day on the line fueling aircraft, well, it's not ever normal. Every day is different and there's a different threat. There's a different distraction. There's a different challenge that's happening in every single day. We in our jobs are adapting and we are showing that we can meet the production goals or we can meet the goal of what we're doing safely through this adaptation. And sometimes, and I'm going to be a heretic for saying this, but sometimes that might say that, okay, well, the checklist or the procedure, if I had done it that way, would have led into an adverse outcome. So I adapted and applied risk-based thinking to adapt to the situation, solve for its safety. That is the stuff we want to capture. Because if we capture that, we're like, wow, we could really improve this procedure or we can really improve this process to allow line service individuals or to allow pilots, mechanics to safely adapt to the environment in which they are working in. We're not robots. We don't work in predictable, repeatable, mundane environments. We work in dynamic, exciting, unexpected, unpredictable environments. And we as humans can wonderfully adapt and we do so all the time safely. So one area is reporting. We want you to report when you were faced with a challenge and you met the challenge and got the mission done safely. It doesn't have to be a deviation, doesn't have to be anything, but I want to know how you adapted. We as an organization want to know how you met that challenge and how you dealt with it and managed it and still maintained safety margins while allowing for a positive outcome. That's one way. Another way too is, you probably heard it, LOSA or Line Oriented Safety Audit. And LOSA is not a line operation safety audit. That is a program that maybe a lot of you have heard of. It started in flight operations, obviously, a while back. I think Heimler was the one who started at the University of Texas, but I have to check my notes on that. But it's this idea that they use the threat and error management framework to observe flight crews in everyday actions, in everyday flights. And, and I hate that it says audit because it really isn't an audit. They don't call them auditors. They call them observers. And it, the idea is not to audit them like say, okay, did they comply with this procedure? Check. Did they comply with this procedure? Check. Oh, they violated this one. Check. No, that wasn't what that was about. It was about observing and watching the crew in their environment to see how they met with certain threats and captured errors and maintain safety margin. And this was amazing. They gathered a great quantity of data on how crews reacted to threats that came from within the cockpit and from without the cockpit, from the organization or from ATC. And they were able to learn a lot about the system through doing that. And it was a non-punitive matter and wasn't there to find out what they were doing wrong. I would argue that they were there to do what's right. Now, does line operation safety audit only apply to flight operations? No. There are people, one that comes to mind, Dr. Bob Barron, he did a lot of work in applying LOSA to flight line operations through ground handling operations. LOSA could be applied to maintenance operations. And it's just this idea that I'm going to go out and I'm going to observe how this person is doing their work. I'm going to look at the threats that they're facing and how they adopt to those threats.
So now my focus in the organization is not just on the negative. I'm not sitting there waiting for a mechanic pilot or line service operation to submit, submit me a deviation report or a report of a, an incident or event or something that happened. I am being proactive and I'm going out and watching them work to better understand the system, to better understand the worker in the system, to see how work is being done versus how work is prescribed and to take that information to make the system safer. Not if that makes sense. I hope it does. But so this idea of this, the shifting the narrative, and there's kind of two themes going on here, and I don't want to silo these, but we talked about the attention bias and paying attention to the unusual, unexpected, and negative actions, and what we tend to do in safety. And then we talked a little bit about safety too, and how we can kind of flip that script and maybe start po focusing on the positive and how we can focus on the positive and how we can collect that data. And then we talked a little bit about fundamental attribution error, which kind of seems like stepchild here, but it does play into it because we're looking at our system and improving our system, we have to get away from saying that the individual's behavior or action is the sole cause of that outcome. And what I like how it's said in some of Conklin's podcasts, uh, Todd Conklin's podcasts and some of the safety too, the action of the individual, they like to argue that it's an outcome. It's not a cause, it's an outcome. It's an outcome of how the system is designed. And if we are so laser focused on that individual and trying to ascribe blame to that individual, then we miss a wealth of data about what was going on in the system. Maybe that's the theme of this podcast. Where's the data? Where can we find the data? And how do we silo ourselves so that we miss that? And how can we prevent that? Maybe that's the call to action. I didn't really go in with a strict plan on how this was going to pan out, but I see the two being very closely related, the attention bias, the fundamental attribution error. So my call to you again is that idea of, let's see if we can shift that mindset. I'm not asking you to implement a program necessarily like LOSA or using the TEM framework during LOSA. What I'm asking you to do is scratch your head for a second and think, hmm, how can I capture everyday adaptation? And how can I capture everyday heroic actions that go unnoticed that, if, man, if I were to know how to do that, if I were to know, if I could get that data, boy, I could learn a lot about my system and how to approve it so we don't have to maybe have heroic actions all the time so that we can make the system a little bit more safe. And then ask the question, okay, how do I expand the mind and open the mind that when something does happen, that we want to look not at the individual solely, we want to look at everything that was going on around in the system at the time and maybe view that action of the individual as an outcome and not a cause. And maybe we can talk about that the next time we have an investigation or the next time we look into an event or a near miss, let's go into it with that mindset and see what more we can possibly learn. One case that comes to mind is the Redonda Vought, the nurse case who administered, I believe it was a paralytic instead of a sedative to a patient before going into a scan. The dosage killed the patient. Eventually, Redondavat was charged. I believe she's on probation now. I need to go back and check that, the update on that. But she lost her nursing license, and it was tragic. It was tragic all the way around. And it was also tragic that they ended up in criminal proceedings with her. And if they took the time, and I'm, I'm sure they are, and looked at the system and all the things that were going on in the system, and I encourage you to read about that case because you can point out all the things that were going on in the system, 
you could see that her action was more of an outcome of the system rather than necessarily cause of that tragic accident. I think we want to leave it there because uh, there's so much to talk about this. There's so much to think about with this. I hope this was helpful. Uh, I hope at least it sparked some thought into your everyday actions and how we look at the system, how we look at the people we work with. We're wonderfully human. Not only we make errors, but we also adapt. And that's what makes us awesome as humans, <laughs> as it were. Thanks you all for listening. If you have any questions or anything you want to talk about or any comments, bad or indifferent, please send them to me. Send them our way or put them into the comment box below. If you like this, wherever you listen to this podcast, go ahead and pound that like button. If you don't like it, I'm not asking you to answer in a way that you're not comfortable with. But if you like it, we should love to know. If you don't like it, we'd also love to know. And guys, I love you. Thank you so much for what you're doing out there to keep the system safe, keep everybody going home at night. And in the meantime, till I see you next time, stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by Baldwin Safety and Compliance, the leader in safety management for the transportation industry. Since 2004, Baldwin has been providing state-of-the-art solutions and 24-7 support to the aviation and transportation industries. Baldwin's clients include all sizes and types of transportation operators. Baldwin provides safety and related business services to commercial and non-commercial transportation operators, medical transporters, FBOs, MROs, airports, flight schools, UAS operators, firefighters, OEMs, ground transport operators, and others. Visit baldwinsms.com to discover how Baldwin can enhance your organization's safety program. Thank you.